Welcome to the Elevate Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. If you've tuned into any other episodes and this podcast has brought you some value, we would love a review, your feedback, and anything you might have to share with us, please let us know. You can find me, your host, Tyler Johnson, on Twitter and Instagram at Elevate, Educate, Rejuvenate. This episode, I've got a legend when it comes to the NBA strength and conditioning world. The Denver Nuggets weight room is even named after my guy. After 20 years in the National Basketball Association as a strength and conditioning coach and assistant coach with the Denver Nuggets, he is currently now the chief performance officer of Panorama Orthopedic and Spine and the operating owner for the Panorama Wellness and Sports Institute. My guy brings tons of energy. Welcome to the Elevate Podcast, Steve Hess. One of the things that you cannot miss when you are in your presence is your energy. Uh, you've got plenty of it. You've got plenty to give athletes. Where do you harness that from, man? Where do you curate that and wake up with it every day? So it's pretty much just a standard that I set for myself. Um, and I kind of don't really let it lax off. So I really try my best not to have uh, down days. In regards to a lot of the things that I do, it's not really about me. It's about the people that I work with. So, so again, uh, I, do, I do a huge job in my life not to create comparisons. But a lot of times, um, we make things about ourselves. We internalize them. Uh, we're somewhat sensitive, um, and it changes who we are. I can't allow myself to do that because I really want to be that individual who's an energy giver, not an energy taker. That's one of the huge things I want to impart to everyone I work with, largely because I, want, I don't care who I have the luxury of working with a two-year-old kid or a professional athlete or 75-year-old or someone who's injured or not injured. I want them to leave with an experience. I want them to leave and be like, wow, that was amazing because it was about me. Um, so, so the energy thing, it's reciprocal. You know, that's how I start off. And then ultimately, the rerun of it, it's like I get back. So it reignites it. So here's the weird thing. Just even today with one of the athletes I was working with, I had an off energy going in, it set the tone. Once I turned it around, I was like, wow, hugely impactful of everything we do. So I just set the tone, this is how I'm rolling. At the end of every day, I grade myself out of 10, and I'm searching for a 10 at the end of every single day. Created quite a, a legacy, not just in the, the National Basketball Association, um, but in beyond. Can you talk a little bit of your journey from Johannesburg to the Mile High City and, and what got you really into performance? So, um, you know, I grew up in South Africa and at the age of six, um, I really wanted to delve into uh, working with professional athletes. Uh, I love this concept of sports performance. Um, initially, I wanted to be an orthopedic surgeon, uh, but really glad I ended up taking the path that I, that I was able to talk um, to take. Um, it, it, it all kind of worked out by chance. I graduated high school in South Africa and I really just got a university uh, acceptance pass, but my grades were great. So I, I legitimately applied to 22 schools and Ithaca College gave me a conditional acceptance and I would start off at their campus in London where my father lived and that was my end. Um, and I never looked back and I was so blessed to go to a school with 8,000 kids um, to chase my dream, 
uh, within the realm of classes where, you know, I was in a different culture, uh, a different country, um, and I was able to like stay focused and locked in. The cool thing about, I feel my upbringing, it's incredibly diverse. So I've lived in South Africa, I've lived in Zimbabwe, I've lived in London, I've lived in upstate New York, New York, Colorado. So, so what ends up happening is when you live in places, you get real perspectives. You know, a lot of times like, yeah, I went to Spain for a week and I know what they culture. You don't know what the culture is about till you've lived within the culture. So it gives me a different perspective. Uh, it's neither good nor bad. And then also my ability to be exposed to a lot of sports which aren't necessarily within the American realm, like cricket, um, yeah. you know, just things like rugby, soccer, uh, which is hugely American, gives you another perspective. Then when you come over here, you continually learn the mechanics of what the sport requires and uh, the different systems it utilizes it. You have a different point of reference. So, so what ultimately happens, my journey here has been hugely fulfilling because I got to think through everything. I don't follow anything. Every single time something is proposed to me, I think through it. I make it my why. Why am I doing what I'm doing? Now, that being said, here's the bottom line. Living in Colorado is the greatest gift I've ever had. It is the greatest place I've ever lived. It is the greatest place I've ever visited. I'm absolutely blessed to be here. Would I ever go back? I doubt it, but you never really know where circumstances are going to take you. But a lot of times, Unless you have another perspective, you're born into Colorado or wherever it is. You're like, oh, this is, this is unbelievable. But because I have another perspective, I have a true appreciation. Right now, just to veer a little bit off the subject, we have a pandemic. And we're like, yeah. oh, my God. Now I could just go to restaurants. Now you can't. Now yeah. all of a sudden, oh, that's special. Everything we do in life is special. And a yeah. lot of times, it takes extreme situations for us to understand that. What I'm saying is people... Understand that now you're in the moment, living in a special time. Take advantage. No doubt. You can tell uh, another piece of Steve's energy is uh, having some gratitude. So, uh, you know, uh, uh, gratitude is a, is a great thing. So, um, you know, along that journey, um, becoming a, an acclaimed strength and conditioning coach in professional sports, was there a mentor or a coach along your path that, that really helped you or, or really helped you? figure it out, really elevate your game in your life? A lot of people. You know, it goes back to my uh, undergraduate degree where uh, Gary Forza, uh, Frank, uh, Betsy, these were professors who, like, would put up with my shit <laughs> and, like, pushing me on and tell me calm down, you know. Then I come into the professional realm, um, players, uh, metal, AI, they add to it. Coaches, Mike D'Antoni, George Cole, um, Coach Malone, general yeah. managers. Oh, my gosh. You have these extremely, incredibly smart guys adding to the – even owners, Stan Kroenke, you know, being around him and him imparting knowledge bonds, of, that, that kind of directs you. Within the realm of the actual strength capacity, some big-time influences are guys like Greg Roscoff through MAT, um, you know, guys like Tom Purvis through RTS, they're out of the standard. Then I look within, like, Mike Boyle does a really good job. Uh, I love guys like Peter Twist, great job. My, my guy Todd Durkin, hugely high energy. I remember 
doing a, a, a presentation with him in, uh, sheesh, I don't even know where we were. We were at a mall, and I'm watching this cat. I'm like, shit, I really don't want to go on after him because this dude is brilliant. These are guys who motivate me. I remember, um, you know, a whole group, you know, so it doesn't stop. You know, even some of um, the guys that were, were my assistants, um, Matt Freer, Rich, Felipe, these guys, I see some of the stuff they're doing better than I'm doing, and I'm learning all the time. So direct mentors, I don't have one guy that showed me the way. I'm not that person. Yeah. So, but I've had a multitude of people that have created this confusing pot where I know I'm never going to fully understand it, and it just gets more and more confusing. But I generally try to upgrade my system by surrounding myself with people that are better at what they do than I am, not even close, so I can continually evolve. Great stuff. Great advice on getting better, surrounding yourself with uh, more great people. You mentioned uh, there's some of the great athletes um, that you've, you've had the opportunity to work with. In working with some professional athletes, was there ever a lesson an athlete taught you that stuck with you? Are you kidding me? I'll give you a job. Nikola Jokic, the joker, um, he's in this basketball for the love of the game. Does not care about anything else. He will always succeed. Jamal Murray, one of the toughest cats I've ever seen. Earl Boykins, 5'5", 130 pounds. Knew he was going to play in the NBA. Specifically, ran cross-country when he was six years old, so he would play in the NBA. Alan Iverson, when he came to the Nuggets, I said to him the one time, man, you're one of the greatest athletes I've ever seen. He looked at me, one of, I am the greatest athlete. It's just belief. Um, you know, it's just like all the time, I've learned these amazing lessons. Uh, Mellow, throwing up, worst day ever, comes in, gives 40 points. You know, just reruns, I'll go back. Well, I'll tell one of my boys, you're friends with AI. Go out, get him lit. They had a great time. This one was a Philly. He came and gave us 40. Things like Kobe Bryant in the Western Conference Finals. Flies in at the half. A lot of stuff going on. Lights us up. Beats us single-handedly. George Cole draws a play. We're playing Minnesota. For Melo to shoot the winner over Kevin Garnett. And I was so frustrated at that point. I would have taken the freaking clipboard and hit someone. <laughs> Goes in. I mean, I remember. I mean, there's so many situations. Yeah. You know, just things like, you know, being around. Mr. Cronky or Stan Cronky, he has a, a huge deal on the table and just calm, cool and collected. I can do it. Yeah. So these are lessons like, like oftentimes at shoot around, I go to the stand, I look down at these athletes and I say, what do they have? It's a belief. It's a belief. So every day, and here's the thing too, I don't stop learning. Like you, you ask me, who inspires me? Who mentors me? Who show, I get lessons Every single day, I get lessons from my son. Dad, you tell me, swag up. You've done this, you, you know. So, 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 so my whole life is learning lessons, and I'm grateful for that. That's a good, a lot, of, lot of great stuff uh, observing in your journey. You, you came back to a common denominator there a couple times. Uh, belief. Talk about how important just uh, a lot of listeners on this are, are younger coaches, student athletes, but like AI said, I am the best. Like how important is that belief? It's got to align with action and actual work, but how important is that belief to, to get anything going if you're going to be great? 
here's the thing. Belief is the single most important thing if it's founded in work. Yeah. You can believe all you want if you don't follow through. So here's my thing. Like I'm a huge believer in upgrading your knowledge base, looking at different pathways to prove you wrong so you can add to what it is you do. But you have to have a knowingness within yourself. And here's the knowingness. If you do whatever you can with everything you have, with all the knowledge applied to you at that present moment, and your ethical and your moral, there's nothing more you can do. If that becomes your journey, you can't be wrong at that time. That's all you know. Now, what I'm saying to you, you have to evolve. You got to keep searching, but you have to ethically understand the 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 path I've chosen is to help other people. It's a selfless path, and if I'm looking for fame and fortune, it's an incorrect path. So what I'm going to tell all young aspiring strength coaches, prep coaches, muscle activation specialists, kinesiologists, biomechanics, whatever it is, here's what I'm going to tell you: It's going to take you 20 years. Before you get noticed, so strap it on because for 20 years you're going to be getting up at four and going to bed at 11. It's the path you've chosen. No doubt, you've spent a great amount of time. You know, uh, I'm sure in your role helping athletes overcome injuries. Um, adversity takes a lot of forms in sports, but injury is one of them that we see a lot. And in your role, um, what advice? You know, having navigated so many great athletes back onto the court and back onto their fields of play. What advice would you give kids struggling going through that sometimes, uh, especially early injuries, slow process of getting back? Wow. You know, here's the thing. So I, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've done it a lot. And my thing is you have to be slow, systematic. You have to look at the body as a whole. You have to create function where there's dysfunction. You have to understand structure has changed. Um, when you tear a ligament or a tendon, um, it's changed. So you have to help manipulate the body according to that. You have to cre create a belief um, that you're going to be bigger and better than you are, although something changed. So you put different brakes on the standard car. You got to find a way to make it better. You don't have a choice. These are all um, amazingly uh, easy for me to say, but keep it at a thousand percent real. Two years ago, my son toys ACL and impact injury. Um, and there was some other damage, and the, the, it gave me a whole different perspective because that hit closer to home than anything else. Um, and what I did, what I became to understand, you have to be slow, systematic, and you have to allow their input as to what's going on into the body. But you can't fall into the trap of letting them to succumb that it's going to be back to normal. Not if, they're not if they want to be athletes. So if you have a race car, you're not restoring it to walk and jump and you're restoring it to race. Right. So you have to create this belief. You have to create the system that in other ways has to be better by overcoming the change in structure. So it includes everything, nutrition, supplementation, sleep, recovery, prehab, rehab, warm-ups, strength, uh, muscle activation, elasticity, what the sport demands, you have to pull it all in. You have to be systematic. You can't overload the individual. But here's the most unbelievable thing. This right here, the mind, 
strong, strong thing goes back to belief. This is a big dog. It's the strongest thing we've had. I've seen people do amazing things all through their lives. These are one of the cards you're going to have to play. If you get a major injury, it's a card you're going to have to play. You're going to have to be smarter, more diligent in everything you do because it's, it's strike one. You do that sometimes as a benefit from it. You could become better because everything else is locked in, but it's still a strike. So now you're telling me how many home runs, here's the analogy, of being able to hit when you've had two strikes. Plenty. But you still had two strikes. Right. One strike and you're out. So here's what I believe. Athletes compensate better than anyone else. So they move from A to B, not in a direct straight line, utilizing more compensation patterns. When someone gets injured, you got to make sure everything else is working, including those supporting where he is injured. So he can compensate through some of this, but you biomechanically want to structure him that he doesn't need to. So all I'm saying is, yeah. you're just going to be, you know what it is? It's like you just aged a little bit quicker. So just be smarter. <laughs> Don't get old, evolve, be a little bit smarter. Don't get old, evolve. That's right. I love it. Um, speaking of uh, getting old, let's go back the other way. If you could get in a time machine and go visit 16-year-old Steve, what's one piece of advice you would give yourself that you've learned uh, along your amazing journey? What advice would I give Steve? Chill out. Oh, my gosh. Take a breath. Enjoy the moment. It'll always work out. It does if you do whatever you can. It's taken me 52 years, and I'm still evolving that way because I'm so proud in what I'm trying to achieve. I'm incredibly hard on myself. I never really breathe. I, like, wake up like this. And sometimes, like, I'll go to bed and, like, my eyes are twitching. I'm like, I would just say to myself at 16, chill out, meditate a little bit more. Sometimes, because sometimes I do a really good job, be more in the moment. Just be grateful that you're in the moment. And then here's the other, here's what I, oh, my gosh, even more than that. Don't worry about 90% of the shit you worry about because it won't even happen. That, and I, I didn't make that up. I heard that. And it's so true. 10% of the shit you worry about is going to happen. So spend 10% of the time worrying, not 90% of the time. That's what I'd say to 16-year-old Steve. Yeah, that's good stuff. <laughs> um, the last question we always like to ask here is how do you define success? Wow. So, you know, watching uh, the Jordan documentary, they did an unbelievable job. Phil Jackson said, success is largely determined by the last successful act you've done. If you're looking at success that way, you're purely judged, and that's the thing, you're judged, unless you're judging yourself, on the last successful thing you did. Is that my true definition of success? No, but I still like it. And I still, you know, I still, you know, I'm a competitor. I still want to rock that out. Like I, I want to succeed in whatever I put my hands on. So I kind of do like that quote. But here, here's what I would define true success as as um, being, I don't want to say because I'm always striving, but being satisfied in the moment, like looking upon where you're at and being like, wow, I'm satisfied in this moment. Doesn't matter, doesn't mean I don't want to do more. That's not what I'm saying. Right. But in this moment, I'm satisfied. That would be my 
ultimate definition of success because there's certain times through my day, that's why I know I'm on the right track. Where I get this feeling of euphoria when someone succeeds and I'm like, wow, that is cool, man. That is cool as shit. I'm so geeked right now. I could just explode. And, and a lot of times those feelings come from the darkest, darkest moments. So just like little things like, uh, you know, it goes back to um, watching my oldest son get, get into CSU in, in the specifics and he's like, he did it. You know, watching my youngest son come back from an injury and score 30 while he's defending and the team wins and looking at that, watching my wife, like, look at my kids and be like, they, I'm like, I'm like, like sometimes even like I'll, I'll look at, and this is what I'm saying, I'll look at my dog and I'll be like, oh my dude, you know, and it's like my athletes achieve something and I'm like, those moments where you're like, wow, that to me is success. <laughs>